Welcome to the Women's Fitness and Health Revolution podcast. There is so much noise on the interweb these days about what women should and shouldn't be doing when it comes to their fitness and health. Not only is it all too often tied to shame and fixing our bodies, it can also be incredibly detrimental to our health and wellness overall. The Women's Fitness and Health Revolution podcast sorts through the BS and offers advice and actionable tactile steps to support and build a better relationship to your amazing body through every stage of womanhood. It aims to break the cycle of keeping women in the dark about their extraordinary machines and revolutionize the way we move, eat, and live so that our daughters and our daughters' daughters look in the mirror and feel exactly what they are. Fierce, beautiful, and capable of everything. The revolution starts here. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Women's Fitness and Health Revolution podcast. Today, we deep dive into how to crush your health and fitness goals this January, aka the top three reasons I've found over the last 10 years that folks fall out of fitness, nutrition, and really any health goals, and action steps to combat them and support consistency. Yes, I know. I'm also very excited. Please let the record show before I dive in that when I say fall off, I simply mean when we get started, but something in life causes a hiccup and suddenly the return to that specific healthy habit is delayed by days, months, years. So zero shame. Life is busy and it's full. If this didn't happen to everyone all of the time, we wouldn't be talking about it. So with that out of the way, I figured this topic is more timely than ever with the whole new year, new you said in quotes, creeping around the corner. There are a whole bunch of trends I've seen over the past decade of working in the fitness industry, but the most undeniable of all is the January surge. And let me start out by saying that I am not a hater on this time. I love seeing new people in the gym who are excited about their fitness. It's the time that gyms and coaches should be focusing on how to support these new enthusiasts in a way that keeps them excited to be working out, eating intentionally, sleeping better, whatever, consistently, all the way into March, into June, heck, into next March and June. Unfortunately, what has the tendency to happen more often than not is the gyms stay incredibly packed through the month of January, offering little to no help and guidance despite their best effort. And by the second week of February, there's about a 50% decline. And by March, 90% of the people who started the year with a fitness and health goal have reverted to an old behavior pattern. So right out the gate, this is not because they lack discipline or even motivation. I have said it a million times on the Instagram and the threads, and I will say it one million times more at least. You, my friend, have a full life. You work. You have friends, hobbies. Maybe you have kids or go to school, or maybe you're taking care of a sick family member. When we think about our days, we don't just have empty pockets of time lying around where we're doing nothing. Chances are we are doing something at all times of our day. And sure, that may be Netflixing and chilling, but after a long day of work, it makes sense you're tired. Could you put movement in at this time? Sure, but it's not going to be your natural inclination. It takes work and 
it may not even be appropriate if your nervous system is totally taxed. The point is, if starting a new fitness, nutrition, or health habit were easy, there wouldn't be entire industries dedicated to helping you create and sustain them. All goals start from genuine desires to change. It may not always be the healthiest desire to change, but a desire by any other name is still that, a desire. So what gets in the way of us achieving these desires? Generally, I've watered it down to three things. One, we do too much way too fast. Two, there's just too much information out there and we just sort of shut down. Three, we feel shame. The first cause, we do too much too fast, is a big contributor to the January to March gym goer dilemma. People who haven't exercised in months or ever, really, hit the gym and try to get after it like the fitfluencers they follow or they hop into a fitness class. It's at a much higher level than they're ready for. For context, because we never tend to think of exercise this way, these actions would be the equivalent of deciding you want to play violin and then immediately jumping on stage to perform a concert the next day. We would have zero idea what we're doing. The result is either that we burn out from going too hard and our bodies and nervous systems go under way too much stress or we injure ourselves from trying to perform something we don't have the foundational skills to do yet. Side note, approaching fitness as a skill and not a workout was one of the best pieces of advice I ever heard a coach offer. Or we spend so much time comparing ourselves to other people around us who have been doing it for a while that we decide we can never do it. So what's the point? And we will talk more about that in number three. And sometimes we just try to add so much in the first at first that by the time a month goes by, it's impossible to sustain. Last year, for example, I had a friend decide they wanted to start running. She worked a full-time job, so the only time she could get her workouts in was in the early a.m. For almost six weeks, she would wake up at 4.30 a.m., get her run in at 5 a.m., I'm still asleep, guys, and then get ready for work. Yeah, yeah, that's totally doable, but she was doing it every day from the start. She had jumped her body and her nervous system into the deep end without any conditioning. Quick side note, again, no one, not even athletes, should be working out every single day. Our body, body, body needs recovery, recovery, recovery. We'll talk about this forever and much more in detail later in life. However, the result in this particular case study was she ended up overtraining. Her nervous system was shot. She was exhausted all of the time. She may have started out feeling energized because she was moving more than she had been, but after a couple of days of waking up so early, which was knocking off her circadian rhythm, working out, which is another stressor, and minimizing her sleep, she was she was exhausted. It's it's a hard thing to sustain. Her feet and her joints hurt. Her work started to suffer at her job. She started losing hair. She didn't lose the weight she was hoping to, probably due to the stress. And eventually, she stopped running altogether, which is such a bummer because it was so well-intentioned to begin with. And with a little bit of tweaking and a slower, more sustainable approach, I truly believe she would still be running today. But unfortunately, instead, she burned out and then blamed herself for being lazy and undisciplined. May I remind you, she got up at 4.30 a.m. every day for six weeks. This may not be healthy, 
but girl was not undisciplined. This is just too much for anybody. This is also a big issue when it comes to most fitness and nutrition programs that are marketed at the general consumer. Whole30, Hard75, Beachbody, to name a few. They give you so many things to change all at once that even if you do manage to do it for a week or so, or even the whole program, it's impossible to sustain for a lifetime. Work out more, cut calories, take out gluten and dairy, walk 10,000 steps, drink more water, read 10 pages of a book every single day. And while these aren't necessarily wrong on their own, if you try to overhaul it all at once, the result I've seen over and over again is 90% of the time people drop out by mid-January or halfway through the program or even sooner. Not to mention the following feeling of shame and blame you get when you drop out. We blame ourselves, just like my friend did, for not being able to hit your quote-unquote guaranteed transformation the program promised. And there it is, my friends. The merry-go-round of shame into unrealistic yo-yo exercising and dieting that we can't sustain, and then back to shame. An actionable approach I would humbly suggest for anyone with any of the above situations, which are many of us, myself included at times, the first is to, one, just start slower. No, it's not as sexy sounding, but it sure is a whole lot more sustainable. Studies have shown results from strength training can come from as little as two times a week. So I suggest focusing on shorter sessions, maybe 30 minutes to get started, maybe even less. If you're working a lot and it feels impossible or you're too tired, I've had some clients where we've literally just worked to try to carve out five to 10 minutes a couple times a week. So starting off at in general, two or three sessions a week plus walking more is an incredibly beneficial place to start. And as far as just moving for your health, you could totally stay here for the rest of your life. There's no need to add on more unless you love it, which I think you will, but more on that in another episode. Two, focus on the foundations. Group fitness classes are an incredible resource and great for community. That's actually where I started way back, way back, way back, just kidding, just like way back in the day. But there isn't a huge focus on form or dissecting basic movement patterns most of the time. I would 10 out of 10 recommend booking a session or two with a personal trainer to focus on and get tips for nailing your foundational movement patterns. So we're talking squats, hinges, lunges, presses, pulls, rotations, planks, Or you can look for classes that are specifically designed for beginners. You don't have to stay here. But again, building those foundations is incredible because the best way to stay in fitness, don't get an injury. Plus, fitness truly is a lifelong journey. And if we take the time at the beginning to nail the foundation of our lifts, runs, yoga practice, practices, whatever you want, will be so much more effective in the future. And that is when we can start getting real fun with it. I love the metaphor of building a house on sand versus solid foundation. One, going slow, is going to last and keep you safe. The other one is going to eventually come crashing down. It is definitely worth the investment to start here. Three, choose one thing at a time to add. I invite you to take a 30,000-foot view and remind yourself that all fitness and nutrition and health goals come from consistency. 
We only have so much extra energy left after a full day of living to dedicate to new habit formation. So you are much more likely to succeed if you focus on one task at a time. Plan to give yourself one to three months to start normalizing a habit before adding another one to your plate. And I'm talking like little to medium habits. So this could be like adding a uh, two 30-minute workouts every week for the next six weeks. It could be going on daily walks or trying to finish eating two hours before bed at least four days a week, getting veggies for at least one meal every day, eating more protein every day for the next four weeks, etc. Get creative, get inspired, because you, my darling, have a lifetime for this journey. And over time, those things compound. So please, start slow and be amazed at your progress when you look back a year from now. And finally, four, be weary of any program that promises to sell you a huge transformation in one month's time. You can do a lot of really important things, but any sort of huge weight loss promise or something of the sort is more than likely going to either be bad for your health with under eating and over exercising or impossible to sustain, either causing mid-month dropout or relapse when the program is over or both. That's the real clincher with yo-yo dieting. We even if we stick to the diet, a lot of times people will actually see once the diet is over, return of weight, and sometimes, usually, even more weight than they had before they started the diet. Okie dokie. Next up on things that get in our way of being happy and healthy, number two, there is too much information out there and we just short of shut, sort of shut down. Whoo, mouthful. And gosh, I relate to this so hard. There is just so much noise on the internet. And it only gets louder and louder with guaranteed fixes and things you have to do come Feb or January when diet companies and fitness programs are cashing in on your turn of the year wave of motivation. That's also just one of the reasons there is so much noise is because in order to stick out and get you to buy products, everyone has their own take on their protocols. That's worked for them. And look what I did here in 10 weeks to lose that. Da, da, da. So everyone is trying to be louder than the next person with these promises. And what happens is either misinformation or something that just worked for them, but might not translate over, or maybe it does work, but it's hard to sustain. Maybe it's just a bold-faced lie. Maybe it does work. But the point is, there's just a lot out there. How do you know what to do, where to turn? Mark and I have conversations about this all of the time when we explore new health protocols. Mark, by the way, is my fiancé. He is an incredible man, and he is my partner in crime in all things, but especially health and fitness. He will likely be referred to a lot on this podcast because, let's face it, he's my fave. So if you hear Mark, Marcus, Margaret, Mango, Mangus, Margarita, Definition, Make the Boys Go Loco, or anything of the like, we're probably talking about him. Anywho, I've been coaching for 10 years in the fitness industry, and even I find myself getting distracted or confused by the fad diet or protocol of the week. So, of course, non-fitness professionals can feel completely overwhelmed by where to start. Should I be strength training? Yes. Or running? Should I try keto? Start fasting? What about Whole30 or the Ancestor diet? Ooh la la. So my two big, my, my two big biggies for fighting this particular overwhelm are one, work with a professional 
at least starting out, someone like myself who has navigated the fitness industry and the fad waves it sailed over throughout the years. People who work with people like you. And there are a lot of us out there with your best interests in mind who understand the poo-poo storm that is the diet and fitness industry marketing. Not sure you're ready to invest in a personal trainer yet? That's totally fine. A lot of us offer small group coaching programs at a portion of the cost for this very reason. There are a lot, like I said, of us out there who just simply want you to succeed and feel supported. Remember, fitness and nutrition are a skill in this day and age. Just like you don't grab a basketball and join the WNBA, you are not expected to roll into the world of physiological well-being and know what's going on. Two, and this one, if nothing else from this podcast leaves with you today, let it be this. When in doubt, listen to your body. Whether you are with a trainer or on your own, you will intuitively, over time, know what works for you and what doesn't. Our body is brilliant and it talks to us. If you get four weeks into a nutrition or training protocol and feel like total yuck, switch it up. This is because no one size fits all blueprint. There is no one size fits all blueprint rather. Just because someone told you it worked for them does not mean it will work for you. And this, I don't want to... I don't want to minimize this. A lot of us have spent a lot of time disconnected from our bodies. We've been taught not to trust the way we feel. We've been taught to judge our hunger cues. We've perhaps been eating a nutrition program that hasn't been giving us the nutrients we want. So we might even be a little unregulated with our hunger cues. So it can and will take time to reconnect to your body. But one of the first ways to do it is to start listening. To start listening and to start taking note and becoming aware of how you feel and how things make you feel. Especially if you're paying for a program that makes a promise. If you get far into it and like I said, you feel crappy, please don't force your body to stay there. There are other things. So be brave. Explore. Avoid the overwhelm by remembering you have a lifetime to figure it out. And then listen to your body when it gives you feedback on what's working and what isn't. (sighs) Final holdup for our health. Three, we feel shame and we drop out. This is a tie into our last two topics, but it is a big enough issue that it warranted its own time on the mic. Before we ever start a new fitness or nutrition goal, I gently offer this piece of advice. Go within and get truly honest with yourself why you are after this particular goal. If it's because you are unhappy with your body, there is no judgment here. Even to this day, I'm not 100% pleased with my reflection or the way I feel in my one pair of jeans all of the time, but I have worked very actively to become aware of my negative self-talk. I've worked to, in the moment, try to remind myself that these are unhelpful thoughts and that my value is not based on the size of my body, and then I practice saying positive things to myself and my body, even if it feels uncomfortable, and I move on and try not to let it rule the rest of my day. This has taken me 20 years, but it's given me my life back. If we go into a health and fitness goal without addressing a low self-esteem pattern, every choice we make will come from a place of punishment and shame. Not only is it far more difficult to sustain a goal fueled by self-hatred, it becomes exhausting and it is very easy to throw in the towel when our confirmation bias finds places for us to label as failing. 
even if we achieve our goal and the inner work hasn't been done, then our relationship to self hasn't changed. Unfortunately, that means getting what we want, in quotes, doesn't make us happy. Suddenly, there's a new goal we have to chase to be worthy. Sure, I lost the 10 pounds, but if I could just lose five more, I'd be happy. Or I'll be fine when I can see my abs. This shows up in every area of our life. Money, romance, parenting, work, health, and is a much larger topic on mindset we will no doubt dive into later. But please let this be the takeaway. Even if we get our goal from a place of punishment and shame, we not only don't get to enjoy the outcome, we have a painful journey along the way. This is not to blame or shame you. This is spoken from experience as someone who chased weight loss from this place for over a decade, probably longer, battling anorexia, then overexercising, then orthorexia. But I broke the cycle, and so can you, my beautiful friend. Your body and your health are worth it. Once we become aware of our thinking, we can start to take actions that are contrary to our initial thought or work on self-talk that can help us repattern out of that shame spiral and into actually enjoying our lives. If you experience a lot of shame and around your exercise and body, I have some loving suggestions for you. The first, please do not hesitate to reach out to a professional. It took therapy and outpatient programs for me to overcome the worst of my eating disorders and it and my therapists and the women in my program, they saved my life. They gave me my life back. I cannot speak highly enough. And there are some things that go so deep that seeking that professional help will be the tool to overcoming it. And there's no shame in that. It's a beautiful gift to give yourself. Two, double down on slowing down. One contrary action of shame, so the opposite action of shame, is to take care of yourself. Instead of packing your calendar with workouts, aim for two to three 30-minute sessions a week and practice being okay with it. And if you miss it, practice being okay with that. Three, delete toxic Insta and TikTok accounts. Go through all your social medias and purge accounts that foist feelings of shame upon you. Be honest. Are you inspired by this content or are you comparing yourself and feeling miserable? Four, pick things to do that are fun and or don't have metrics involved. That includes stop weighing yourself. Dance, strength classes, working out with friends, which brings me to five, find a healthy community of like-minded women making choices from a place of self-love and healthy aging. The people we surround ourselves make a huge difference in the way we think and the choices we make. And finally, six, start becoming aware of how you are talking to yourself. Change starts with awareness. So there you have it, ladies, the top three reasons we fall out of healthy habits and some action steps to keep you in it, not just for January, but for the long haul, because that's what health is, my beauties, a lifelong event we get to enjoy and learn from. And honestly, nothing brings me more joy than getting to share tangible and actionable steps to get you back into the driver's seat of your health and fitness stress-free. So I truly hope you found these useful. You've got this, my friends, and you are worth it. Until next time, aroo!